Hi there, Martin. Welcome to another episode of Positive Differences. And today we're going to take a slightly different approach. We've talked a lot about positivity and how people stay positive in the last few episodes. But in this episode, I'm going to be talking to someone who is very definitely trying to make a positive difference in their professional life. So we're going to be speaking to Dawn Snowball, who is the Housing Procurement Manager for Crisis in Newcastle. Hi, Dawn. How are you doing? Hi, Martin. Thank you for having me. I'm very well. The sun's shining, so it's it's a nice day to be doing this. It's, it's, it's easier to be positive when the sun's beaming down on you, isn't it? Don, um, most people will have heard of crisis. Do, do you want to give us a, a, a quick intro, though, in yep. case people have the wrong idea or a misconception about what you're actually trying to achieve? Certainly. So crisis are a national charity that have been around for over 50 years. More recently in Newcastle, about 14, 15 years ago, we opened um, our centre, which we refer to as the Crisis Skylight Centre. And in that centre, we have a range of activities and support staff that support people out of homelessness. So our number one mission is um, to end homelessness in any way we can. We're very lucky that we're an independent, we're not commissioned by any local authorities. So our public, our money comes from the general public which is you know our independence from anybody other than them to end homelessness so we have to prove to them in the work that we do that we're helping to end homelessness yeah so 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 you're not you're not working under any obscure regulations or or, or i suppose dancing to anybody else's tune i suppose which is handy um, what, what 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 are you trying to do at the moment then dawn what what have you got going on what, what what's what's the what's happening generally is homelessness up down I know that there was a big drive to get everyone off the streets during the the lockdown and during the the, the the kind of COVID crisis are we now starting to see those people turfed out for want of a better word or, or, or what's happening yeah so the government put a lot of money into local authorities during COVID and most people were taken from the streets and put into um, temporary accommodation we did see that come to an end recently and um, we're starting to see more patterns of rough sleeping and different types of homelessness. And I think that's the thing for people to understand. There are different types of homelessness. There are people living in temporary accommodations. There are people living in bed and breakfasts. There's people sofa serving and there's also people living on the streets, um, which who are referred to as rough sleepers. Um, for a lot of people, it's it's through circumstances that they have no control over that they end up being in whatever homeless situation that they're in. And there's no one answer fits all. And the project that I'm currently working on is a housing first project, and it is just one approach to help end homelessness. And it's, it's something that Andy uh, Burnham from Manchester is very passionate about, and he, he's been piloting this in Manchester and it's been quite successful. So. Crisis have put some money into Newcastle to pilot this Housing First project, which looks at getting somebody into a house and then dealing with whatever support needs they have once they've got that home. Because we believe that people have the right to a home, you know, just because of circumstances outside their control, they've, they've ended up in situations that they're in, they still have the right to a home. It, it's everybody's human right to have a home. And the Housing First project works on um, seven principles. First principle equally is people have the right to a home and access to housing without conditions, just a willingness to maintain that tenancy. 
Um, another principle is flexible support because housing first works by giving somebody the, the house to live in but then the support needs to be flexible to meet the needs of that person and to have a creative flexible approach to whatever they want for as long ever however long they need it the housing and the support are very separate so the housing could be with a social housing provider it could be with a, a private landlord it could be um it could be any type of independent housing and it's their choice it's the it's a person's choice where they want to live and then that support is put in separate to that so that's kind of the project that i'm working on in my role is procuring those housing opportunities for our members whether that be through social housing or through private landlords we like to have both on board really and what um I mean, there's, there's, there's a lot to unpack there. First of all, homelessness doesn't mean people living on the streets, which I think I'm probably as guilty as most people of thinking, well, if you've got somewhere to stay, you're not homeless. But as soon as you said it, it makes perfect sense. You can be homeless, but not sleeping outside. I've just never really, maybe I seem stupid now to anyone listening or watching this, but I've never really made the, connected those dots. But yeah, I suppose if you're sleeping on a different sofa three nights a week, then you're still homeless, aren't you? You're just not cold overnight which is a different thing um dawn what's the biggest challenge you've got to getting this support out there then because I, I, as, as a landlord and i know a lot of landlords i would imagine a lot of landlords have an asset that they value it is valuable and they they have concerns about who lives there how how do you get over that hurdle so I started in this role in January and obviously we've had a lot of challenges just given the, the current market, the current rental market. There's not a lot of properties out there at the minute. Um, another challenge has been it's, it, we do want one bedroom independent tenancies. So we don't want shared accommodation. We want, you know, single independent tenancies for people. And one of the, the things that we want is for the people that we are working with to be able to maintain those tenancies when they don't need the support anymore. And to do that for a lot of people, it has to be within the local housing allowance rate, which for Newcastle for a single person is £425 per calendar month rental. Now, a lot of properties at the minute, given the market, one bedrooms are going for rental value a lot more than that. So that's the first barrier to somebody being able to sustain that tenancy is the costs. Um, you're right and you're saying that people would have concerns because when people see homelessness, and they see um, the vision or the visibility homelessness in Newcastle, it gives them a picture that perhaps they might not want tenants in their accommodation that fit that criteria. However, it is a very proven project and it's, you know, it's not rocket science. It's like give somebody a home and they can deal with the problems that they perhaps can't deal with when they're sleeping on the street. And we do, we do have that support to go with the tenant and my role would be to support the landlords. So if there are any landlords out there that, you know, have a willingness to help end homelessness, I could be a point of contact for them. And, um, you know, we'd like to work with landlords that's going to benefit them. So they would still be the landlord. We don't want to lease any properties. We want the tenant to have a landlord and we are their support but also i'm the support for the landlord in that um you know we can offer advice 
if they need some advice, if there are some issues, we can do some mediation between the tenant and the landlord. We can help the landlord understand the new licensing restrictions that have recently come in in Newcastle. And we've, we do offer some incentives to landlords. Now they're all very individualized for whatever type of property. So it would be great to just get landlords to come and chat to us about it. I'd love to hear landlords' views on, on why they wouldn't or why they would, or what would make them you know, let to, to the client group that we work with. So, so, so it sounds like you would, you would actually welcome people getting in touch, even if it's to say, well, these are the reasons I'm not doing it, because if nothing else, that helps you to learn so you can overcome those things. But you, you, you mentioned their support and the, the little I know about the scheme, it sounds like there's some pretty good you know, support, ignoring financial support for now, but what, one of the things that might, I suppose, be a barrier to people getting used to being a tenant again and, and, and coming back into that kind of, that way of living is this, the, where do they go for things? And I think you've got a pretty good support system built around this, haven't you, with, with full-time supporters, working you know quite a lot of hours to put into these people to help make it easier for the landlord to take that take that gamble haven't you absolutely so the coaches that work with the tenants um work on a one of the principles is working on strengths and goals and helping them identify what their strengths are what their goals are and then supporting them to develop the skills and the knowledge to be able to achieve those and that might be for somebody moving into an area where they've never been before is just to have a walk around the street with them to see, you know, where the local shops are, where your local pharmacy is, where your GP surgery is. So it can start off really quite basic and then it can build up to, to other things. Um, they work with really small numbers so that nobody would have any more than five on their caseload and, and these support workers, well, coaches, they work in a coaching capacity and um, they work full time, they are full time. So they could potentially see somebody twice a day if need be, but definitely on a daily basis. They would work with developing skills in managing a tenancy, budgeting, but also looking at finding what the individual wants to do, what are their, what's their hobbies, you know, perhaps that they've had when they were younger, but they've not been able to, to follow it up. So anything really, really creative support goes into the, the project and the thoughts around it, as well as, you know, the necessity, the, the being able to read a gas meter, being able to cook some something for your tea, you know, all those kind of practical things, as well as, as well as, um, you know, keeping them busy as well, giving them something to do and, and enjoyment, enrichment, like we all need. Yeah. I suppose, I suppose a lot of a lot of people, if you've been homeless for a long time, you've you've probably got a, a, a dramatically different daily routine to someone who wakes up in a bed every day in the same place. Um, and even just things like learning the habit of opening your post when it lands and you know getting back to people at certain times and having a, an address even. It just it, it it probably does take quite a lot of adjustment, doesn't it? But it's good to know there's quite a bit of support there. Because you know, as a, as a landlord over the years, I've I've had tenants where we got we get a lot of what I would consider very strange questions from people where you think, but how do you not know that? But then a lot of people don't know these basic things, and that's why they're in the position they're in, or they've they've long forgotten how things work. And times move very quickly at the moment, don't they? So it's very easy to fall out the loop on how things work. So it's great to know that supports there. So 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 that's great, you know, kind of 
spiritual and and, and, and kind of mental support there. Um, I presume you, the, the, your, 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 your coaches would also help assist to make sure things like that the rent is paid and other bills are paid and help them kind of learn to manage their finances again? Absolutely, yes. I mean, some people that we're working with have not even made a claim to, to the benefits because they don't have the technology that you need to make a claim for universal credit or perhaps they don't have an address where they can get a bank account to, to receive universal credit. So before we even got them into a tenancy, support would begin to help them understand how to make a claim and how much they're going to get and how to budget with what they've got. And then when they move into a tenancy, there would be a lot of work around in the early stages around, um, you know, what's a, what's a priority? What do you have to pay? What what do you need for yourself? And all that kind of, of work around budget, general budget. And, um, we would support them financially if, you know, they weren't in a position through benefits or through being young, because as, as we know, under 35s get a 125, sorry, get a lower rate of benefit. We would be able to support with things like, you know, making sure that they had gas and electricity and food to eat until they perhaps progressed and moved into employment or something like that and had their own wages. So as well as financial support, we offer a, a lot more around practical support, being able to do that and, and and, you know, going back to what you said about letters, people do let letters build up and they tend to ignore bills that are coming in. So it would be one of the things that um, coaches would work on, like just even the, the stress of opening a letter that you know is going to be somebody wanting money off you is a, is a difficult thing for some people. Especially, I suppose, if, if, if debt was one of the reasons you ended up homeless, as, as I presume it is for a significant number of people there. They lost a job, lost their home because they couldn't pay the mortgage. You really don't want to open brown envelopes if if that was the thing that contributed to you being homeless. It, it's um, it's a bit like telling someone to put their hand in a box full of spiders after they've been bitten by spiders, isn't it? It's not it's not an easy thing just to tell people to get over. Um, obviously, landlords are probably going to have a big concern about whether they're going to get the rent then going. Um, now I know within the housing benefit system that there, there, there is a facility to get rent paid direct to the landlord if certain conditions are met. Is it worth just covering that off just in case anybody has concerns of that type? Absolutely, yes. I mean, crisis as an organisation or as a charity would stand as guarantor for any tenant. So the landlord would have the backup of us to, you know, if something did go wrong and rent wasn't paid, we would cover any unpaid rent. But what we would be doing is working with the tenant to approach the, the DWP, the job centre, and make sure that the rent was paid direct to the landlord. And it's kind of a two-way pronged approach to that. Landlords need to um, request it via the government website, and also the, the tenant needs to request it via their online journal. So we would support tenants to do that. At first moving in, it's one of the most important things that we, we do is you know get the housing costs paid. And there are some um, differences in housing costs for different age groups. We would ensure that the full to £425 was paid to the landlord um, because it's helping to end homelessness. So there are some, there is some, you know, room for movement with the DWP around the, the rent levels if it's going to end a homeless situation. So yeah, we would support any issues the landlord had. We would advocate on their behalf and we also you know, we advocate on behalf of the tenant and hopefully 
that matches up and within the first month the rent is paid direct yeah so so, so that so that's that's that, so 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 we're, we're slowly checking off the concerns here that's what, I, that's what i'm trying to do i'm trying to take you through the thought process of a landlord yeah. the, the, the first one is yeah i'm happy to help people and most landlords i know are pretty pretty nice kind generous people yeah, far yeah. from the um evil capitalists that were often portrayed as in in um in most circles to be honest um I, I, you can't normally spot an evil person just because they're a landlord let's put it that way um but of course it is an investment where the bank will chase us for our mortgage regardless of whether we're trying to do something kind or not so it's good that there's there's genuine support there and it's worth remembering as well most local authorities have support teams anyway so this extra basically a day a week that you're given here if someone's only got five people on their caseload it's a day a week of additional support directly to try and help make this transition you've then got a financial backing in that you should probably get your rent paid through the local authority scheme anyway but then you also mentioned there an additional back that if for any reason that doesn't happen you'll act as guarantor on the rent so there's this kind of like a there's another layer of protection there what 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 about um what 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 about I suppose just general things like struggling to find a deposit? People will often, if you haven't got any money, you haven't got a deposit to enable you to get over that initial hurdle. Is there any help or support with that? Yeah, so crisis can offer a, a, a few different options depending upon what the landlord um, wants. And like it is all very individual. You know, it would be whatever suited that landlord. So we could pay um, upfront costs rental costs we could also pay a deposit if that's what was required but we also have work with um, a help to rent scheme who offers an insurance policy for landlords and we would cover the cost of that now the policy would be in the landlord's name and it would be up to them to make any claims and to read all of the you know the guidance before making any decisions and um, whether a deposit would be best suited or the the insurance policy that's best suited um, and yeah the, all individual but we would definitely cover any upfront costs because you're right people do not have that sometimes it can be a thousand pounds to move into a tenancy so we would definitely pay that all up front until the housing benefit kicked in and we would pay a deposit whatever you know was in agreement with with the landlord and um, yeah. if for whatever reason the tenancy wasn't working and you know the landlord had other properties that might be better suited we would definitely work with the landlord to encourage movement between properties and um, you know it just it, it just takes one landlord with a few properties to understand what we're trying to do and to work with us and for it to, to be successful there's yeah. another level of like some sometimes the people that we work with have never had a key and a lot of them like lose their keys, constantly lose keys. So, you know, we would ensure that any locks that had to be changed because of loss of keys, we would cover the cost of that. We would also keep a spare key or encourage the, the tenant to keep a spare key with another family member or with a trusted person so that if they did lose their key, they knew where they could go and get a one. So anything like that, we would, we would cover. We're also working close within communities with um, the neighbourhood police, the GP surgeries, the mental health services. So we're making partnerships with them so that we can identify early on if the, the tenant is quite vulnerable and if they're being targeted or we need to put you know more support in that we're already 
doing. Um, so there's all that kind of support around the well-being as well as the financial. So again, this is this, this is all in addition to any support yeah. that's already out there for tenancies. And I know, so you're working specifically with Newcastle Council here. I know Newcastle have a private rented team that actually helps landlords a lot anyway, but then also I presume there's teams that help tenants a lot. So th th this is all in addition to any help that's out there, isn't it? What, what, what you, you mentioned there, things like locks breaking, et cetera. Um, that, that, that might be a, a, a conception here with landlords. I don't even know if conception's a word. There might be a misconception that just because they take a, a, a tenant who's coming via your scheme, that there's going to be more trouble. That they're going to be, you know, causing antisocial behaviour type problems or whatever else. What what, what 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 happens if that does happen? So, you know, we can't guarantee that that won't happen, but just the same as any other tenant that is given a property, there's no guarantees that that's not going to happen. What I can say on behalf of us is if that is happening, we will get to find out earlier than perhaps they would if it was the average tenant that wasn't having um, support in daily and wasn't having that contact with neighbourhood police and, and other you know, neighbourhood groups. So we would kind of work to with that tenant to to on acceptable behaviour within a tenancy. And, you know, it might not be immediate, but I'm sure with some work that, you know, we can get people to, to behave in a way. It might be that the behaviour is not actually coming from the tenant and it might be somebody that's coming to the property and we can work with the neighbourhood police to move them on and to get, you know, to get the behaviour stopped. And as always, we would support the landlord. So the tenant would have the support from the coaches and the landlord would have the support from myself. And we also work very closely with Newcastle Private Rented Service. So I know that they would also step in and support and offer the right guidance for somebody that was having any issues around those. Yeah, okay. Uh, so, so, so actually this, and you told me a story the other day when we first, First sat down to chat about this dawn about someone where there was a, 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 a neighbor or something like that had expressed concerns about someone who moved in were probably beside them um but the fact that they could ring you and clearly saw that you were trying to help was in itself a benefit wasn't it yes absolutely so we have had issues where neighbors have you know just took an instant dislike to somebody in a property and have had concerns and you know they've run crisis they've known they're working with us and we've been able to reassure that neighbor and let that neighbor have a voice you know because everybody wants to be heard and you know rightly so and it, it really was very beneficial for everybody concerned yeah yeah okay because often often neighbors wouldn't know where to go they might not necessarily know who the landlord is they don't know who to speak to at the council or wherever they would end up. So it's, it, I suppose that, again, is something you wouldn't have with, with any other tenancy, would you? What's yeah. what's what's your biggest obstacle at the moment then, um, Dawn? I know you mentioned that the, the market isn't helping at the moment. And I know a lot of letting agents, I know a lot of landlords, and I, and, and I know they're all crying out for property. And I, it, it feels like the general consensus is because there is a ban on evictions, there isn't the natural churn in people looking for properties, but also there isn't the the, the normal vacant properties. That the, the numbers are down. I mean, is there an end in sight for that? Do you think? As in, you know, will there be properties soon for people? Do you think? I think you know the 
some of the restrictions have been lifted around the, the evictions, um, which is both good and bad because it will see movement in, in properties. It will also see rise in homelessness. So for us, we're working crisis in general or working on supporting everybody in that scenario, but it will free a property. And what you find is people tend to move around local authority areas in private rented. So they'll rent um, perhaps in Newcastle, then they move on to Gateshead, move on to Sunderland, and they don't always stay where they are because unlike social housing, you don't need a local connection to an area to private rent. So once evictions start happening or people are able to move more freely and get out again, people might then be moving on and there might be properties become available. I suppose the biggest challenge for us has been lack of properties and that's, you know, that's because of the lack of properties, but also I think just getting the word out what we are about and what the Housing First project is about, because at the end of the day, there are Housing First projects that have run in Newcastle, um, but it hasn't really been a big thing like it has in other big cities, like in Manchester and Liverpool and in London, Housing First is seen as not everything, but a piece of the jigsaw to help end homelessness. And I suppose that's what we want to prove here in Newcastle and just get a little bit more of a backing from everybody, social landlords included and private private landlords. So anybody that wants to have a chat, I'm quite happy for you to pass my details on to them. Yeah. And, and where, where do you think they'll get the most benefit from this then, Dawn? Because if you can find a landlord with a property, that's a win. But you probably need to try and win over people who've got access to lots of landlords with lots of properties. People like letting agents, presumably you, you, you would love the chance to sit down and, and explain to letting agents how this can work for, the, for, for their landlords. Absolutely, yeah. And we have had a couple of letting agents that have been on board with this, and we have got one or two properties from, from letting agents. So, you know, once they see how that's running, then they might be more likely to, to offer more. But definitely, if letting agents are managing properties on behalf of, like, um, southern landlords or, or whatever, we would definitely be willing to work with them and to, you know, to put some kind of collaborate working together to make sure that you know this this partnership did work i think within the sector within homelessness in general people come to work in homelessness because they want to fix people and actually what we're saying is you can't fix people but you can give people the opportunity to fix themselves and that opportunity in this instance and in our program is the opportunity of being given a house and if the first one doesn't work it doesn't mean that it's because they can't do it. It just means because they've never had to do it. But it's an opportunity again to say, okay, that didn't work there. How are you going to make this one different? And it's a project that's been proven that it can work. So hopefully it's, you know, opportunities do open up in Newcastle and, and we can see some success. What kind of numbers are you trying to get out the door and the door? I, I, I think I remember the other day you said you wanted 80 tenancies supported or, or out or I don't know what you, what you call it, yeah. but is 80 the number? Is that what you're trying to? Absolutely, yes. So the pilot is for three years. So it's a, it's a project that crisis have put quite a bit of money into over the next three years. And we're hoping over the three years to house 80 people. Now, we're not necessarily looking for 80 private landlords. You know, social, social housing providers are in discussions. So we, but we hope to have a percentage of them private landlords as well as social landlords and letting agents and, and everybody, you know, it's, it's about giving choice and not everybody wants to live in a, a local authority house in a tower block or something like that. People do want to live in 
in different kinds of accommodation. And it's all about giving people that choice and control over where they live. You, you, you mentioned earlier then, Dawn, obviously, that, 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 that there is a reality here that it's probably going to be a housing benefit payment restricted type tenancy. There's a mouthful for you. <laughs> what I'm trying to say there is you're not going to get a one-bedroom flat overlooking the Tyne Bridge within that price bracket. So you're probably looking at, at certain areas where this will work and there'll be areas where it simply won't work because of the, the, the price of the property in those areas. Where, where would you expect the most demand to be? Which, which areas? Put, put some names on these areas there. So it's just because just then we can... You know, we can reach out and hopefully try and reach those people directly. So it is Newcastle only at the minute for the three-year project. It might expand to other areas. Um, the people that we've had referred to us have asked for Benwell. Benwell has been really popular. Elswick, the west of Newcastle, anywhere in the west, people are asking for Denton, Kenton, Cowgate even, um, and the east. We've got a very split groups of people who feel more comfortable in the east or feel more comfortable in the west. And what you find with people is that they've been sent to hostel after hostel and they get no choice. So they're told, you know, there's a place at Biker Bridge Hostel, it's yours for the night, there's a bed there. And they might not want to go to that area through because of whatever, because of, you know, poor experiences they've had in the area or something like that. And it kind of takes away that choice. So when we speak to people, we ask them, where is it that you want to be? What's the reasons for that? And that people aren't asking for Jesmond and Gosford, they're asking for Benwell, Biker, Walker, you know, those kind of areas. Yeah, okay then. And just one, one thing I've never understood, and I don't, I don't it's, it's, it's not for you to answer, but I would be interested in your thoughts. Why is it that under 25s get a lower housing payment? Surely they don't eat less, they don't get a discounted electric bill, and they don't pay less council tax. What's, what's the thought behind the benefit system paying under 25s less? I'm not sure on that, but maybe we could send a tweet to the DWP minister and um, ask him the reason why. Yes, well, it puzzles me also because they still have the same housing costs. They still have the same needs as anybody. But, you know, like I say, if they're working with us and we're helping end homelessness, their housing costs won't be reduced because of their age. They will get the full two five housing costs their monthly income might be a little bit lower and they might have to be more creative with their meals but yeah. their housing yeah. costs will be will be covered that's interesting though isn't it, I, I it is, yeah. as, as long as i remember it's been that I, I, I don't think you can necessarily it doesn't seem to be a party political thing it, it, i could be wrong and i'm sure someone will correct me if i'm wrong on that but as long as i've known i think there's always been this idea um, and I don't, I, I, the nearest I could get to it is that, is that, well, if you're young, you don't mind house sharing. So you almost get a room rate instead of a home rate. But I've just, that's just the nearest I can get to figuring out why it is. I don't know. And that's exactly what they give. They give a shared, shared rate for, for under, it used to be under 35s, it's under 25s now. I think, I'm not sure where it stemmed from. I wouldn't like to put a name on it, whether it was David Cameron, but it was around that time when the, the lack of housing was really apparent and the lack of one bedroom housing and, and policies that were brought in at that time around one bedroom accommodation. And I think they wanted people to stay at home longer, to stay with parents longer or to, to share accommodations. So I think it's maybe come from. So it was like about that. trying to restrict the demand on those properties yeah, yeah. rather than 
saying, well, you don't need as much money. It was to make it less attractive or, I suppose, harder, to put it another way. Is, yeah, harder well, to, harder to leave home, wasn't it? I mean, they well, also, yeah. at the same time, they probably brought out, um, you know, really good savings for under 35s, the government backed saving schemes for first-time buyers and things like that. So in their eyes, they were wanting people to stay at home later, save to buy a house and, you know, leave at that point. So Yeah, it's interesting because you, you're right, there was, and, and there still is, I, I, th I think this idea that if you save a deposit towards a house, we'll, we'll chip in. Yeah. Um, but of course, if you've got no money, it is, you, you, can, you can add any surplus on you want to any savings, but if you can't save in the first place, it doesn't matter, does it? What 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 would you say is success with this then, Dawn? Would you just be happy to get the eighty out, or have you got a five year? I know you've got a three year initial thing here. Well, how will you be able to measure this and say that worked? What's 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 your kind of ultimate dream here? So we are working with Newcastle City Council, and this is just a small part of helping end homelessness in the city in a ten year plan that crisis have got with Newcastle City Council. So success will be measured on, um, I mean, we're, we're already feeding into it. We're already feeding the challenges into it and hopefully it's gonna you know, start opening doors about lack of tenancies. And I think, I suppose the strategy now is to get more landlord, private landlords on board and see how it works. And then, you know, if that's not working, we, we look somewhere else, we look into social housing, I think, What's been learned from Liverpool and from Manchester, they're coming to the end of the pilots. Lack of housing was the big barrier for all of them. And it was that the risk that potential landlords, but also social housing providers had about the client group. And there is a bit of a call for more government backing for social landlords to get involved, but also for private landlords to, to find out more, to understand and to have more incentive to come forward and help. So three-year plan is to house 80 people. I suppose the longer-term plan is to make sure that they remain housed and their support remains because the support wouldn't end after three years. You know, the support can go on for as long as is needed. We do hope after three to five years that people are managing and, you know, it might be that after a year somebody's managing, that's great, but the support will still be there. And I think the difference, like other support services, is if somebody's not using that support, the support's withdrawn and it's ended. This doesn't end. If somebody says to us for two weeks every day, I don't want to see you, I don't want to see you, it doesn't mean we won't go back. We'll still go back the third week to check in, see if they're all right. And, that's, and I suppose the ultimate measure of success here is that you can persuade a landlord to take a punt, tenant moves in and actually moves on and their second tenancy is then a non-supported well, I'll, I'll just say normal tenancy, um, where they don't have to. So ideally, you just bring someone back into that system, and and, and you hope to break the cycle. And that, that's what success is. It's looking at what their challenges are, and I suppose if we can take somebody from the street, that's perhaps you know being admitted to a a on a regular basis, ambulances being called, the police having to deal with it, and we can put them into a tenancy and help them to overcome all of that, those kind of initial issues that living on the street bring, then we're saving society money anyway by doing that. So yeah. the measures will be small, they'll be, you know, looking at every individual and seeing what success is for that individual. And so success for somebody might just be 
they actually cooked a meal for themselves. They didn't go to the people's kitchen to be fed. You know, it's, it's that kind of really small steps of success or they, they weren't caught begging today. You know, they budgeted their money and they had enough money to to buy a takeaway or something like that. So. Yeah, actually, actually, I'm, 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 I'm aiming way higher because I'm, I'm not used to this kind of conversation. I'm saying, yeah, you know, they've, they've paid all the bills, everything's put in, they've left the house and go. I mean, that's a pipe dream, possibly, isn't it? But Absolutely. you know, yeah, yeah. Let's let's start on the basics, and that's that's why people like you are around. I suppose to just remind people like me that you know, getting to six months and everything, everything's gone great would be an amazing outcome. Like you say, just managing to kind of look after yourself for a week is, is probably a win for some people. Um, and I don't mean that in a condescending way. I don't, I don't mean, I don't know, I hope, I hope that comes across right. I'm sure, I'm sure. No, I'm sure it does. I'm, people know I'm not an awful person. I don't mean that in a bad way. No, I mean, the, the, the ultimate goal really is to get somebody into to rehab if that's what they need or to get somebody into mental health services because when people are living on the streets or living in temporary accommodation and they're not turning up for appointments you know it is a, it's a lot of waste of, of money and people not doing anything whereas if we've got somebody in a tenancy and we can the coach can go and actually meet them and take them to this appointment and that leads to them going into rehab or leads them to getting some kind of therapy to overcome mental health problems I mean that is the, the main aim tenancy is the tenancy is the base to be able to do all of that work yeah the, 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 I, I, it's not really relevant but i did see recently one of the banks i'm pretty sure is introducing bank accounts where you don't need a fixed address did i dream that or, or no no there's a couple of there's a couple of bank accounts that banks that we've been working with the hsbc have been really good and lloyd's have now come on board and um, they are accepting people without this, this stable address. They're giving people bank accounts. And that need, does need to be backed with a, a letter from a charity or something like that. It's not just yeah. simply walking. It does need to be supported by one of the main charities, you know, Shelter, Changing Lives, Ourselves. Um, so, yeah. That's okay, because often the, the, the lack of an address actually prevents you from doing some basic things doesn't it if you haven't got a bank account you can't pay a lot of things now you can't receive monies from certain places as easily um so yeah i mean hope, hopefully that's a a, a a change in wider society to try to make things a little bit easier to remove some of these barriers don't don what's your plans on a wider region basis because as i said when i met you i met you initially thinking this is great i'll i'll, I'll give this a go i've got a couple of properties that i was quite happy to kind of let, let you have a run at but they're in Gateshead what what's what's is, is your longer term plan here then to hopefully prove this as a model and then roll it out more widely yeah hopefully I mean the reason that was doing it with Newcastle is because Newcastle have signed up with crisis to um work on a 10-year plan and homelessness and I'm sure that other local authorities will get on board with that once you know they see that the success of, of what's being what's being done with this plan and like I say housing first is a very small part of it but the other thing that um landlords might be interested in and it doesn't necessarily hold the risks that housing first does is crisis work with a lot of homeless people every day and they're not necessarily the people that you know the housing first project will work with and they work on a different approach to the staircase model of into housing where they develop the skills and they they step up into to the tenancy so that when the, the 
they're renting ready, as we call it. They've done everything to be tenancy ready and they can move into a house. And we tend to work with landlords across all areas to house people in that way, you know. So just getting in touch. And if housing first is not for the landlord, then we could refer them to our housing team within the crisis centre and they could work with, with other you know, types of tenant groups that we work with. So possibility of going into Gateshead and all the surrounding areas. Yeah, definitely. Okay, then. Um, well, Dawn, I hope you've um, had a chance to get everything out there and, 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 and give a good explanation as to why you think this is certainly worth consideration. And I hope some people listening to this or watching this with properties in the Newcastle area reach out to you and... Um, Let's see if we can do what we can to try and make this a success and, you know, I suppose just help people out and manage manage the risk in doing so as well. So thanks for your time today. It's been really, really interesting. Is there anything you want to part with? Any, um, any kind of like, have you got a 60 second pledge or plea or? I just want to say thank you for the opportunity to let me speak. And I hope that what I've said has come across and done justice to the project. And if anybody wants to chat about any aspect of it, you know, even just to tell me that they don't agree with it and it should be this way, please, I'm open to listening to anything. You know, I've had some really good chats with landlords and letting agents and, you know, not all of them have got on board. Some of them have, but they haven't got the properties. So just anybody that wants to, to come and have a chat, please do. And I'll pay for the coffee. There you go. The coffee can't argue with that, can you? Free cup of coffee. Well, landlords are tight. Everyone knows that. Totally, you know, so that cup of coffee might just uh, might just get people over the line. Well, listen, Dawn, all, all, all the best. Um, and we, we'll keep in touch, no doubt. I know I've already suggested a couple of people I think it's worth you speaking to. As I think of more, I'll, I'll happily put them in front of you as well. But um, good luck with everything. And as soon as we can get physical meetings up and running again, you know, because, I, 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 you know, one of the other things I do is we we run a, a landlord group as well. We'll, we'll gladly have you along there and, and help you to share the message as well. Um, but thanks very much, Dawn. Thank you. See you, See you later. Thanks. Okay.